Hi all, I'm proud to welcome you to the recorded roundtable discussion hosted by Incremental and Anzu on the topic of tracking the untrackable. There is an unspoken wall between performance and brand marketers, and this wall is disappearing as the industry changes. We wanted to bring you the thoughts and opinions of some of the industry's thought leaders into this entertaining form of discussion. In this roundtable, you can learn about new mediums, how brand marketers measure performance, why new mediums work better, the value of brand awareness, incrementality measurement, and so on. We hope you'll enjoy listening to this roundtable. Hi, everybody. Um, welcome to the roundtable hosted by Incremental and Anzo.io. Um, I'm very glad uh, to say that the roundtable topic we picked was tracking the untrackable. How can a marketer give the right value for non-attributable inventories? Now, presenting uh, the participants, who wants to go first? I'll go. Uh, so I'm Julia Russ, and I'm uh, working at Sexes in the Global Solutions and Innovation team. Um, and I'm responsible to enable our markets in our newest revenue-driving innovative digital solutions, such as uh, uh, gaming, uh, podcasts, conversational ads, and uh, audio solutions. Uh, and I'm very looking forward to our dis discussion today. I am Shaman Rao, and I run the boutique uh, growth marketing agency, Rocketship HQ, and I host the podcast, Mobile User Acquisition Show. Uh, work a lot with teams, uh, had them grow and scale. Hi, everyone. I'm Natalia, VP Marketing at Anzu, the world's leader in blended in-game advertising. Anzu brought a non-intrusive blended in-game ads, not only to mobile, but also PC and console worlds in a measurable and highly viewable way. I'm looking forward to the discussion and um, thank you for having me. And hi, I'm Maor Sadra, uh, CEO and co-founder at Incremental. Uh, we are an incrementality measurement platform, uh, just very recently launched. And yeah, I've been in close ties with pretty much uh, most of you in the last couple of weeks. And yeah, very excited uh, to have this roundtable together. Now, jumping into um, some of the questions we prepared, we didn't do any practice. We didn't do any preparations for this. The uh, intention was to make it as natural conversation as we can. Um, yeah, first question. When digital marketers think of untrackable, they think of TV and radio. But which new mediums are growing and offer new opportunities for marketers? Gaming, obviously. <laughs> and in-game advertising in specific. Uh, with over 3 billion gamers around the world and with um, gaming being so popular, uh, in-game advertising is becoming quickly a new desirable um, advertising medium. And I think that Julia um, would agree with me <laughs> because that's something, yeah, that's something that a lot of uh, ad agencies and uh, brand advertisers have started to work on, invest um, in, and create even the specific arms for. Yeah, totally. I agree. And it's it's gaming, but it's also, also OTT and podcast inventory. Those are typically environments where people find new ways of entertainment, relax themselves and find motivation to, to actually spend their attention on. And those are actually typically platforms uh, which have some limitations in an extent to measurement. Uh, not all have the extreme measurements uh, as we know them in digital and video, for instance. 
Um, but it also highlights uh, the choice and the move consumers are making to platforms where they have more control over the content they watch, but also who is tracking them. And uh, that is something we as marketers should respect. Um, and in that sense, it's a very interesting time to be a marketer and, and experience the involvement in the industry. Yeah. And I think something that I have been noticing and paying a lot of attention to lately has been just the podcast space, which I think both of you touched on, uh, partly because we have our own podcast. And uh, certainly I have been looking at very many podcasts and how they operate. Uh, I'm noticing especially, you know, there's certainly B2C and B2B brands that are using podcasts very extensively even though it's very untrackable, very unmeasurable. Uh, and I think podcasts are something that I continue to be very excited about just because it's growing very, very significantly, uh, in the, even in the United States, but certainly in, across the world just as well. And from my perspective, actually, like when I think of untrackable these days, I think of a lot of new mediums that are really, really catching on. Take uh, influencer marketing as an example. I guess maybe you know this uh, heat game now amongst us, among us, um, mm -hmm. which actually has been up on the App Store for like three years, um, getting absolutely no attention. And then it was, a, it was an influencer who kind of played it live on his channel and then said it's super cool and boom, uh, massive amounts of download, usability, memes, Reddit, and it's really catching up on Storm and yeah, it's, you could claim that it's untrackable, but of course the success is um, trackable. Now, when I think of uh, in gaming as well, and gaming, um, I actually think that there is a reason why so many untrackable mediums are getting success is because they are new mediums. And I think that there is a reason why new mediums work better than old mediums. Users just get kind of like a banner fatigue and they stop noticing it. Um, and now we're gonna jump straight to the next question, which is kind of very much related. Um, what is the value in brand awareness? And when the reason why we use this uh, phrasing of this question is when we think of untrackable, and for some reason we create this uh, separation between performance and brand, as if the goal is not the same. Um, but uh, yeah, basically the, uh, the question is, what is the value in brand awareness? Who wants to go first? I can go, yeah. right? And uh, yeah, go, yeah, okay. go ahead. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. And again, just in the context of podcasts, but certainly other untrackable media. And I speak with a lot of podcast advertisers. I hear one podcast spot is not going to drive a purchase. Uh, you know, and that's a very, very common thing I've heard when I speak from multiple podcasts both in b2c and b2b uh, and they're like look we look at uh you know we want to buy 10 high profile podcasts and uh, podcast placements and if somebody hears us across all 10 maybe they'll buy and Mar, i know this is something you said a lot which is look all of marketing is multi-touch basically right uh so to your question directly uh i think looking at a brand looking at how you where your brand is coming you know is getting shown what kind of impression and brand value your customers are perceiving becomes very very critical 
yeah, I think that is very important as well. And I hear you. And I think brand awareness in general is extremely important for advertisers and our clients, just because if you consider there are tons of brands out there on the globe and there are billions of consumers that are actually on the lookout and searching to, to buy more products and more services, either because they want to buy a new product or they need something at that very moment. Um, and in that sense, it's very important to com communicate with your audience to make sure that um, you as a brand have your time with that consumer so they cannot forget you because consumers have a choice um, and they have a choice based on price range on favorability but also on how well they know your brand um, so creating your brand awareness strategies is really the first touch point you have with your consumer in driving them towards uh, perhaps a purchase funnel in acquiring a sale but also creating your loyal uh, fan base for the brand. So in that sense, it's, it's extremely important to invest in your uh, brand awareness strategies. I've heard recently that consumers don't buy products, they buy brands. And that's you know, the answer to the question, why we need to invest uh, into brand awareness. Um, I think that brand awareness is definitely something that should accompany the brand journey or the business journey at every stage be it a startup or a mature brand in any case with so much competition today with so many products you just even if i'm a loyal consumer i need to know that you as a business or a brand still exist and i would want to buy you and when talking about brand awareness i think that we can talk not only about the um, product placements but you know there are any kind of activations that we can think about and that's where the brand creativity comes into play and then you know the more creative you are the more chances uh, you have to get more and more loyal users sorry customers and users yeah. as well i'd like to interject there because um it also you mentioned creative and i think it's very important for advertisers to realize that the more they align the creative with the context and the environment a consumer um, is in at that moment, the better they uh, create a resonance, add resonance with the consumer. And whenever you create resonance and understanding, you, you make an appeal on people's emotions. And it's where you have uh, appeal on people's emotions where you create those connections and connections, strong connections. Uh, will create your your loyal consumers and customers. So again, I think that's a very valid point why we should invest in brand awareness. Uh, I always personally yeah. think that there's a point for credibility as well. Like, so in my, my career last 20 years has been digital and I mostly dealt with, I would say digital first, digital only brands. And the reality is that it's non-tangible, okay? When you buy a, a digital product, it's not a tangible product. And there is always this uh, um, barrier for the customer to go through in order to buy digital goods, digital products, or buy from an app or a website that they've never heard about before. Now, when advertising, I remember um, when it was like a Super Bowl and some gaming companies in the mobile front started advertising there. In my view, it, TV make th th makes things tangible, like you see it. Uh, which is weirdly enough because you see the same creative sometimes on your mobile phone. But when you put your brand um, beside someone you um, value, then it creates kind of like a credibility by proximity. 
And um, if you think of like, uh, you know, the most effective medium is word of mouth. Um, okay, now there's a credibility for you. There's proximity for you. And if you place ads next to things that the user already values, appreciates and uh, um, believes in, then you're creating this credibility. And um, that's kind of like how I think that like brand awareness is basically the most important um, step within a user funnel to even get to a point of an action within the end of the funnel. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I 100% agree. Even within something like games, we see games that have featured IPs or have strong brands. You know, I have seen games like Words with Brands that have been around long enough that you could consider that they have brand equity. It shows in all of their metrics, uh, right? Especially top of funnel metrics, so much, so much stronger compared to a game that doesn't have a brand behind it. Uh, yeah, so in some sense, even though a brand is somewhat intangible, the impact can absolutely show in metrics. Moving on to our next question, which is kind of like uh, down to brass tacks. I think that's the same. How are brands tracking non-attributable inventories? I think we missed a word here. Uh, non-attributable inventories today. I think it's very important to postulate that whenever you as a marketer decide one single channel, just because of the sake of tracking and being able to measure it, you know as a marketer that you will not have a complete holistic view on what the impact of your media efforts are at that moment, just because you're not factoring in all the other elements that may influence a buying decision. As marketers, we all know, right? There's many, many factors that influence uh, a purchase intent. Um, and in that sense, I think it's very important that we assess how we measure success, for instance. Um, and the digital industry actually has very poor proxies in how we're measuring success. So CPMs, for instance, they only tell you if your ad has been delivered and it doesn't tell you much more than that. Um, and, and the industry has evolved over time. So we have seen metrics such as cost per lead that say something about media efficiency, but to really uh, align your digital spends more with true business outcomes, it will mean you, you need to create a, a blended approach where you create multi-metric KPIs uh, there, that are suited to, to a business outcome. And that also means that you're not only assessing online data, but you also have to assess the offline data that you have um, that you have available, uh, and it means that you'll have to uh, search that correlation that demonstrates the link between your digital media efforts and your business outcomes. And business outcomes can be uh, measuring footfall, uh, measuring offline sales. Uh, it can be uh, measuring brand awareness, brand uplift. Uh, but it really means that you need to create a holistic. Uh, a picture of what you, data you have available and what drives that offline sales. You know, I, I, ran, a, I ran a survey with uh, quite a lot of marketers recently, and it, the survey was targeting uh, mobile performance advertisers. So people who are very used to the notion of uh, tracking everything, uh, people who believe in deterministic attribution, and then I asked, how do you track the untrackable? 90% um, said, we don't make any changes to any of the other marketing campaigns we run in order to kind of see, oh, there's a bump in results. 
um, which I found quite interesting. I also found that uh, I think that many mobile first, performance first uh, marketers don't even know that there could be other ways of measurement. I think that as marketers, we just need to accept that this area is still imperfect and like especially talking about cross-platform attribution or like tracking across channels it's really really difficult to understand the impact um, of like of advertising or like you know tracking the untrackable and uh, Julia just um, to add to the metrics that you mentioned probably another metric that we don't track much is uh, LTV like the lifetime value of the user and maybe that's something that would be more integral and help to understand you know how this or that channel contributed to this LTV Although again, as I mentioned, um, there are still a lot of issues even with tracking trackable. And what about tracking and trackable? And that's why so many brands are super cautious with brand awareness, since it's something intangible. You cannot measure it, right? Um, and it makes uh, our lives difficult on the other side, on the other, on the one side or on the other side. That's uh, that's a very you know interesting time. Uh, not talking about. Uh, organic vs inorganic. Since talking about any new advertising campaign, we always forget how many uh, like organic or new users it brings on top of the campaign. And that's also a mistake that a lot of uh, companies make in terms of like calculating the effectiveness. Yeah, and I guess as to add to that is, uh, I mean, there are so many data sources we can use that are not necessarily tied to a cookie or an, or an ID uh, to make it trackable. I mean, obviously we have our ad data, we have first party data, if we have the right collaboration with our advertisers. On-site behavior says a lot of things about how well something is performing, but also environmental and macro data, search data, for instance, it tells us a lot. And it's all about finding these pockets of performance and, and, and finding these signals, if you will, that have high correlation with your business outcome. Um, and it's all about statistically testing those and making sure that you have significant results and combining the right metrics and, and, and features, if you will, uh, that have a high chance and likelihood in, in, um, in how do you say that, in uh, uh, predicting if an outcome actually provides incremental value. Because obviously, what you do with the easy metrics you can achieve is finding those people who are, would organically go to your brand anyway. So it's about finding those combinations um, buying a car, for instance, uh, that happens offline, finding those combinations that will say something about someone's purchase journey and accrediting value to it. There's a reason, by the way, why um, the title of this roundtable had untrackable in parentheses. <laughs> I think that there is this, uh, it is a misconception between trackable and untrackable. Mm -hmm. And indeed, by the way, it is the... Um, like as, as a marketer spending money in order to generate sales or activity or performance, the key is to generate incremental <laughs> performance. Uh, because I think that when you track, and I just posted um, actually on the incremental uh, blog post recently, I don't want to be too salesy, but I posted that the, um, 
trackable bit, okay, when you're an advertiser and you're only doing digital and you think you're tracking everything, you are biasing your own performance by giving vendors the ability to credit, take credit for users that are most likely already going to convert. <laughs> and actually it's like, maybe everybody's happy and you're like, yeah, I'm reaching my marketing goals, but in reality, you're actually not adding any value or not much value. So what does it mean? Yeah. Do we need to invest more in the predictive analytics? Maybe <laughs> not to spend much money on the ad campaigns. <laughs> I, I personally uh, think that this, um, so if you look at, um, I don't know, a digital first uh, company or even not a digital first company, there's a clear separation between performance people brand people right sometimes the budget right. is split sometimes they report to different people yes maybe all of it funnels at the end towards a cmo or ceo but there's this clear separation and then what sometimes happens is the brand people will run a campaign the performance people will sometimes notice oh wow performance is suddenly doing so well we are taking credit for this let's pump more money into uh, the performance budgets because we get a lot <laughs> of credit and it's this like um, balance game within an organization that doesn't really make sense because everything works towards the same goal. And uh, Shamanda would really appreciate um, kind of like your inputs here because you work with a lot of marketers, both ones yeah. who are known, well-known in terms of like brand, ones who are performance only. Um, yeah, what's your, what's your feedback? So? Yeah, no, oh, I 100% agree, right? And very many, and I think this is especially true of bigger companies and brands where brand and performance there's a very clear silo and a lot of these companies could benefit from just clearer conversations between the two uh, and i don't want to generalize too much and i certainly am aware of companies where you know as i was talking to a digital bank uh, where a lot of the performance teams sit with the brand teams also because it's a very sensitive regulated area and uh, their cmos like we don't want to take any risks we, uh, with our branding because you know we are up against the city banks of the world. So we're just gonna be super cautious and we're gonna make sure our branded performance teams sit together. They have common targets. So there's ways to make it work. It's not as common and it's certainly a challenge for very many advertisers. Let's jump to the next question. So let's talk technologies. Um, what ways, what, what technologies, approach are there um, that marketers are using in order to measure the untrackable? And I would, I would be happy to start here, again, not selling what we're doing, but I actually, one of the inspirations to launching Incremental was a, a very well-known company out of the UK slash Sweden, wherever you want to um, catch them. It's a match three company. I don't want to say their name because uh, probably they wouldn't like me using their example, but let's say one of the, the most well-known casual game companies in the world. Now, for five years, when I was at Applift, a mobile performance company, I was working with them and every year they used to do the same. In January, they would stop all advertising across all channels. In February, they would start reactivating vendor by vendor. Facebook, Google, Network A, Network B, Network C. And then every year they basically came up and said, well, we are cutting the budget by 50% because, well, the other 50% was just a waste. Now, this was a pretty brave move. And I know that turning off the lights is one way to kind of like measure incrementality. 
And when you think of the offline brands like a Coca-Cola or a Nike or Adidas, well, they don't really run continuous campaigns. Typically they run a campaign, they stop the campaign, and then they get some sales report telling them, well, this product did X better. Um, when you're a digital marketer and you're always on, you're an Amazon or you're an Uber, how, how do you measure? Um, like what other ways are there to measure the performance um, from your activities? I can speak to some influencer campaigns that we've worked with and I would say the current approach towards influencer marketing has been to treat it like trackable media, so to speak. But also, uh, so what a lot of companies we work with have done is they say, oh, the influencer went live today. Let's look at the incremental uplift in the next 60 minutes or 180 minutes, depending on what the influencer is, depending on the company itself. They look at the incremental uplift over a very short time and then they extrapolate it, right? So there's some, that, and, uh, yeah, so, that sort of incrementality, I know it's fairly common. The other companies we work with that are like, oh, they run geo-wise incremental incrementality tests. They say, hey, these can you know, let's just isolate these cities or these countries and see if there's an incremental lift in these and let's just extrapolate it to the rest of the population. I think the most profound methodology um, is, is that you're 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 using your data sources you have. Um, but you're A/B testing, and you're constantly human intelligence with our with our experienced traders, with our uh, uh, with our marketing sciences team, and then our and our analytical teams is deciding what kind of hypotheses we're going to test, right? And which ones are true and which ones are false, and literally again finding that positive correlation that moves the advertiser and our media spends more towards their offline sales, for instance, because a lot of the time it's very hard to track because um, those sales happen offline. Um, buying a car, again, uh, booking a plane ticket to a very warm destination, who, who doesn't want that at this time? Uh, going to a, to a store, I mean, those things happen offline, very hard to track that in your digital media effort. But also because it, it, it occurs on, on, on third party websites, which we can tag and therefore we can optimize our media towards it. Um, so it's very important that we create these, these hypotheses and find the best uh, pockets of performance that drive towards the goal. Um, and again, every time when you, you, you find that something isn't true, you're gonna exclude and exclude it from your campaign and you're going to implement that with your with your AI tool that dynamically uh, optimizes the bits for you on the fly. Um, and that's, a, that's an uh, iterative process. It happens constantly. Yeah, and I think that um, still this tracking issue is um, like relevant for all the industries and like medium. Uh, working with PR, for example, I still like find it's one of the you know most difficult uh, meeting to like to, to calculate and to see the value. Yeah, like you launched a campaign, you have an announcement, and you can never ever track how many leads it brings. But still, you know, PR has been around for a long time, which means that even if you cannot like attribute to this article or campaign directly still the impact of um, of this or that action or medium a campaign um, like to a business 
uh, is like still something possible, uh, positive. And um, that's, I, I also remember, I think that everybody remembers this Facebook issue with uh, what click to attribute the install to, right? It was like around five years ago and it was crazy. And um, like advertisers spent millions on Facebook and then boom, <laughs> who to attribute this to. So what I'm driving at is that uh, every medium has um, a kind of issue with it, even if it's trackable. And Undo offers uh, brand awareness ads that are also not trackable at all. And what I can recommend, uh, like um, judging from our experience, is that there is a way to track this or that, right? And that's, as we've discussed, we um, evaluate and we analyze the impact on the business. And still, like, it's, uh, we can find the kind of metrics that we stick to, we measure uh, from time to time, uh, with a certain periodicity, and then like we can understand what what value this campaign brings. Uh, well, as I mentioned, working with brand awareness campaigns, we have to um, come to Nielsen and Kantar to help us uh, to evaluate and like to to measure how effective were our campaigns. And all of them have different methodologies. So again, like it's about finding the metrics and uh, being loyal to to them. In a way. Yeah, but that's exactly it, right? It's it's because you have more data and you can do more predictions. At one point, you have more accuracy because you have more data because the predictions you do that are significantly true. But once you gather more data and it it every time comes down to the same uh, outcome, it means that uh, there's some certainty you can add to 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 your media efforts. So it's really important that you have a holistic view again on your on your business data you have available. No, I just wanted to say that still that's an issue, you know, uh, whatever yeah. you're doing is better to have certain metrics with data that you can rely on. Yep. Um, Julia, I think that uh, Shamant and myself represent a very um, trackable uh, side of the industry. Now, I wanted to maybe ask from a brand standpoint, is there, um, so it sounds like you're using a lot of data and you're using a lot of data as proxies to validate hypothesis, which is I, I find actually quite interesting approach. Is there a desire for offline brands to reach the same level of assurance of digital brands? So the ability to say, well, 100% credit um, to selling this BMW car goes to this banner. I think you can never have 100% accuracy in predicting an outcome. That that. I mean, I mean that is that's futuristic. That's something we're not after. But what we're doing with testing these hypotheses, let me give you an example. For instance, with an uh, an online retailer, for instance, is that you weight each each signal because we know that some combinations are harder to reach. For instance, with an impression, but they have much more lifetime value. For instance, um, so the example with the online retailer, for instance. Uh, the most value you will get out of someone uh, signing up for an account on the website, for instance, that has very high value. It has more value over something, someone adding a product to, to a shopping cart, for instance. Why is that? Because people can abandon a shopping cart and then can forget about it because they were doing something else while they're working. You shouldn't shop while you work, but people do that. Um, and But still, um, 
that adding to, to a card has more indicative value than just visiting a product page, for instance. Uh, and therefore, we assign more importancy and more value to uh, signing up to a page, but also to uh, adding so something to your card. And it's about finding the right combinations uh, and, and finding with your digital strategies those combinations. And when you do reach that combination with your impression, impression you can add your value and therefore you can add value to your campaign and calculate your investments you put in your digital strategies with the actual business outcome revenue data, if that makes sense. So you're tying the online data with the offline data. So there's a lot of companies that actually uh, aspire to go online, for instance, and they are very in their infancy stages in, in calculating that return on investment. Um, but that's that's one step by assessing the data you have and, and uh, creating a weighting approach where you add the most value to the uh, highest performing signals for your brand. Shaman, do you see uh, mobile marketers moving into this uh, line of thinking, especially given the fact that IDFA is going away? You know, from what I'm hearing, I would say a lot of people, because they are still married to trackable measurement, I would say a lot of people will probably use uh, SKAD network or Apple solution as a first point of reference, but definitely I think there's going to be more uh, thinking around incrementality that there already is just because people recognize that SCAD network is one part of the picture, but it is an incomplete picture at best. So definitely I do see people starting to think in this uh, direction already. Now, another, another difference I see, by the way, like between performance branding um, is real-time elements. Um, like I think in performance, um, the the marketers really try to understand and make decisions and optimization and changing the budget and diverting a hundred thousand dollars to this campaign based on real-time data. Which, based on what uh, you're saying, Julia, sounds like wrong. I don't think it's necessarily wrong. I mean, there's always assumptions in, in the predictions you make, right? And uh, there's always data that comes out of it. You can cross-check whether or not your prediction is true or not. Um, so in that sense, I think it's important to uh, have human intelligence is cross-checking whether or not data you've, you've put in your uh, algorithms, for instance, that are designed to to uh, be more closely aligned to your business outcomes if, if those are actually measuring what you need to measure. So again, it's very important to cross-check with human intelligence if your, if your assumptions are true. How to measure the ROI of non-attributable and non-clickable inventory? Is that even a correct question? You can always um, evaluate and um, calculate ROI rates in this or that way. And we already talked about online and offline campaigns. Um, like you can measure ROI with both of them, but uh, it's your choice uh, if you want to attribute the ROI to this specific campaign. And again, it, we refer back to um, to digital campaigns that we launch and think, yeah, you know, this digital campaign brought me like 150 ROI and this brand awareness campaign didn't bring me anything. 
and this is completely wrong and more that's uh, talking about performance and digital uh, sorry performance and brand awareness yeah they work together and it's i think it makes more sense to measure um the like the ultimate roi uh, so to say probably if, like if we talk about more um like complex campaigns not a single marketing campaign consists of one channel so why are we measuring roi of which channel why are we not measuring the roi of this campaign at the end and for me it makes more sense because performance rates that's real time brand awareness it's long term but like long term short term both are very important in terms of creating the loyalty being there for the customer and just being a sustainable brand one of the examples we often use for kind of like describing what incremental does as a company is we we use a football team in a football team when you think of attributable the person scoring the goal gets credit okay does that mean that the person who passed him the ball has zero value or the goalkeeper who actually saves goals from going into their team's goal has zero value what about that player in the team that actually didn't touch the ball but the crowd loves them okay if you if you run the same football team but you take out the goalie the guy who passes the goal and the guy who the team the the crowd loves but actually didn't even touch the ball the team will fail okay while you're using the single player who scores a lot of goals um and i quite like this analogy i like also the benefit that sometimes yeah. brands have to differentiate performance of a product if you're a shoemaker and you launch a new shoe you run a campaign for that shoe regardless of the channels you're using regardless of the mediums you're using you see the the mix that actually created and as long as you go with an hypothesis and you test this hypothesis the more data you have to kind of validate this the better i really do like this approach and you know having spent spent uh, close to 20 years in digital this kind of like sounds like what what i've been hoping for it's it's kind of weird because you know there's always this separation between brand and performance marketing people uh, okay but talking about the football team how would you measure roi the team's efforts and what the roi will be first of all would be in retrospect not in real time i i just don't believe the ability to actually do it in, uh, sure. in real time yeah and yeah. in retrospect using either statistical models not looking at a single game looking at multiple games mm. and testing stuff out okay really sure. testing stuff out i don't think that the um, unless you have a product that requires a single interaction it's it's so a um, spontaneous purchase you see it and boom you buy a car unless you have really a product that requires such a spontaneous uh, process you have a marketing funnel if you have a marketing funnel there's a short term and there's a long term and you cannot just experiment with a bang and boom i got this nailed unless you're super lucky by the way which also happens yeah <laughs> I haven't heard of someone just being an ad and buying a car. <laughs> and, and anyway, I think our most successful campaigns have been the ones where we also um, just 
look at the brand as a as a whole, right? If you have a car, you have different lines of cars as well, different nameplates, um, and each nameplate fits with a different audience, for instance. Um, and each audience has a different composition and has different interests and is behaving differently than the other audience. So. The importance here is again by not only assessing one data view but also learning again from what you've learned in the past. So, we have log level data obviously that says a lot about people's behavior in terms of where they were at certain times because humans are creatures uh, of, of, of of repetitive things right we 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 like to do things um, that are that are known so we have a certain pattern of behavior and that is also what's happening uh with your digital efforts is that it creates a certain pattern unless there's a disruptive thing that all of a sudden changed so for instance marketers that are now deciding to spend their dollars in in gaming will have to learn again of what people do while they game is it just paying attention to their game, which um, if I look at people who are gaming, they have full attention to gaming, but where are they gaming? What times are they gaming? In what environment are they gaming? Um, so it's all that new data that enriches your data strategy again, and uh, it will increase the likelihood of you finding the pockets of growth and performance that will uh, lead to a business outcome again. No, uh, I would say, I think there certainly are games where a user can install on the first attempt, that first time they look at an ad. However, I would say that's, that behavior is largely a function of very precise targeting. Uh, because right, let's just say Facebook knows who has made purchases in 10 other casino games hmm. and they show an ad to that person, that person could just install the first time they see an ad. Uh, but A, I think that's true of a relatively small percentage of users and B, that's all going to go away very soon. Indeed, which actually brings us to a, a very uh, relevant at this moment question. How does Apple deprecation of IDFA, Google killing cookies connect this need for a change in mindset of marketers? It's not a neat that's just push that's boom it happens and you have to find a solution if you're a dad <laughs> yeah I, I i think that the, actually it sounds like uh, julia it sounds like you don't need a change in mindset well i think i think um it, it it's not it first in the first place it's not about cookies and ids i mean it's it's about the decisions you made as a marketer, right? And how you interpreted the data and how you optimize towards against it. And in that sense, we've been preparing for that for years because we kind of knew that with just a CPM or just cost per completed few or just viewable CPM, I mean, we know that if someone watches a video or um, have seen an ad that the likelihood of someone immediately making a purchase a purchase is very unlikely. So in that sense, we've been preparing to make our strategy in a way that we have less assumptions and more certainty. Um, and I think this mindset should all be about uh, making sure that we create relevance for consumers rather than making sure that we spend as much media into, into the industry. Uh, it's about creating relevance and making a difference. 
I think that um, that's the perfect time to rely on the first party data everywhere and companies that um, do have it, including Anzu, by the way, <laughs> they kind of, uh, I can't say they win, but at least they don't lose because there is so much data apart from my DFA and cookies. And uh, obviously um, this um, like elimination of both will affect targeting, first of all. Um, and we just need to find the new ways uh, of uh, the the ultimate like um, um, IDs, so to say. It can be logins, it can be Facebook IDs, it can be whatever. And I'm sure that game developers, for example, will find a way like to identify their uh, their users first of all. And then in terms of targeting, uh, I think that IP targeting will also be on the rise with all of this. Uh, well until maybe the new uh, law of the like another um, top decision is made uh, in terms of uh, like user data and privacy but yeah first party data is keen and uh, i personally like it because um I think everybody remembers what happened like five, seven years ago when affiliate networks were everywhere and uh, they were just, you know, um, nobody knew the data, nobody knew who they are buying from. And the chain was so big that um, all of this uh, like top decisions that are imposed and like we need to find solutions just yeah, bring us to a better uh, and a cleaner so to say advertising world which is cool in my opinion i think that there is a from what it sounds what the world is um, kind of going into is a world where there's media buying and there's attribution that happens in-house your media buying strategy or strategies or how you actually buy media from where and who and so on versus what do you do with the data once the user became your user? Trying to understand what was the mix of my media, what was the campaign, what was the outcome? Eliminating this like real-time component because I think that today like the mindset of many marketers is I want to know everything and tie this user's lifetime value buying a car to the impression they saw. Now in mobile, at least, you don't have the multitouch. You don't have the ability. When, and when you add untrackable, you simply don't have a lot of data before the user became your user. All you sometimes know is where did I run a campaign? Who did I run it with? You can create some kind of a, a, a rational, a, a rationals around this. Who was, let's say, the influencer? What was the game time of day and so on? But you're quite limited on the interconnectivity between impression click and user slash customer and i think that the changes that apple uh, kind of like pushed this industry towards and google pushed and will likely push more um force this mindset of the marketer thinking like a marketer and eliminating this ability to believe that everything can be tied into a nicely well excel where you could just literally control bid price and boom you increase your sales and so on that's uh, i actually once called it a hoax deterministic advertising is a hoax um which is interesting because mm -hmm. uh, you know 20 years in digital i really did believe that wow we have this amazing ability to track everything and that might be correct but there is a difference between tracking and attribution 
Yeah, I agree. And I think um, this mindset should also highlight more what tools we use to reach our audiences, right? So creative is becoming more and more important. And I think creative is is 70% of our success of our ad campaign. And there are so many contextual elements that can resonate with audiences. Uh, and I think our um, mindset should be that we should consider how we actually compose those visual elements, uh, but also sound, like what are you saying in podcasts that can influence the mind? And um, there's so many ways how we can actually measure and create effective campaigns that I think removing cookies and IDFA is for the better of the industry in that sense. Yeah. Definitely right, and you know, I think I, I also try to point out that before, even like before 2015, we weren't tracking so precisely. We didn't have this sort of hyper targeting, and the life went on, the world went on, and it, nobody, <laughs> you know, marketers operated as they were, as uh, as they were, right. And I think I, I also try to call out the distinction between marketing and media buying. I think especially on mobile marketing has become synonymous with very precise media buying and as you called out it's not always accurate it's not always uh right and i think this all of this will push marketers towards looking at marketing more holistically as we go ahead and that was our last question so um, thank you so much for participating, for your opinions, your thoughts. Uh, if anyone wants to reach out, um, how could they catch you? Well, they could visit our website, rocketshiphq.com. Check out our podcast, Mobile User Acquisition Show, wherever they get their podcast fix. Yeah, and similar, you can uh, reach me through LinkedIn at Julia Rust, or you can visit our wex website, success.com. The same with us, anzu.io is the best place to learn more about what we do. And if you want to talk to me directly, just message me at LinkedIn, Natalia Vasilieva. Cool. And I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. And uh, as of <laughs> yesterday, uh, Spotify as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. By the way, this uh, roundtable will also be as, as an audio on Podrick the Podcast, the new incremental oh, podcast. Excellent. Yes. Congrats. Congratulations. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. wishing you all a great day, great weekend as well. Um, yeah, hope uh, we'll soon get out of lockdown, lockdown like, lockdown heavy, whatever lockdown you're at. And yes, thank you so much.